What is the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Ulan and Ronnie Flores here with you for episode number 96. And this episode is going to be all about the NCAA tournament and a little bit of news in the Southern California high school basketball world. Ronnie, a lot of Pac-12 teams still alive. A lot of Southern California high school products still alive in the 221 NCAA tournament. I mean, we listed them out, walk-ons included. Uh, if we missed anyone, we apologize. But we looked at the rosters. Uh, <laughs> came up with 32 names. 32 names of Southern California high school products who are on rosters of teams in the Sweet 16. Ronnie, so first of all, let's just go first to a like overall discussion about the tournament in general. Um, lots of air quote upsets, right? Correct. But in my opinion, I don't think in this uncertain college basketball season that those were necessarily necessarily upsets, right? Because no, I I think you're right there. I think you've said it before on our various shows. Unless it's Baylor or Gonzaga, yeah. right now there's no upset. Any of the other 66 teams, or what? there's not an upset. Now, you can look at the, the, the glass half full or the glass half empty. Again, because of the G League, because of the players wanting to get to the NBA as soon as possible, or professional basketball, not necessarily the NBA, you look at a guy like um, the guy who went to Australia, Hampton, he would be a good college player somewhere helping a team, right? Um, you know, obviously he's in the NBA. So, you know, the, the product is just not what it is. It just continues to change, and there's other venues to get to professional basketball. There's no way it's not as – of course it's not as good. So you can say all the teams are good, or you can say – so they're balanced, or you can say all the teams are bad. I think it's the same thing. Sure, there, sure. There's parity. It don't matter what you call it. You know, it's sure. just there's, – there's good games. There's – Exciting games and anybody can win. Yeah, you look at a, a team like Illinois, well, one seed and lost in the second round. You look at a four seed Oklahoma State, who you know, based on their appeal to the NCAA's ruling of you know um, recruiting infractions, they were eligible. Lost in the second round. Three seed Texas was upset by an in-state team, Abilene Christian, which was probably Ronnie one of the more. That's a bad loss. Yeah, that's probably a bad loss because then you watched Abilene Christian against UCLA and they got blown out. They didn't even – Devin, they barely had a D1 player on their team. Yeah, and, and – They had nobody on their team that would play any at UCLA. Yeah, they, they wouldn't beat, make the rotation. They beat a three-seed Texas team that had, I don't know, like two or three projected draft picks in 221 draft and maybe two first-rounders. That's that's kind of the running the one big – yeah, one of the bigger upsets because you look. Uh, Virginia lost in the first in the first round as a four seed. Not that surprising. They were, they kind of struggled yeah. this year. Uh, the ACC as a whole struggled this year. Uh, five seed Tennessee um, didn't play well down the stretch. Uh, they fell in the first round, and again, not a surprise. Then you look at you know other notable teams to make the Sweet Sixteen. Eight seed Loyola Chicago. You look at that team. It's a great coach. It's a great team. Not, you know, no like freak athletes or NBA draft picks, but you watch that team play and there's no surprise that that team could make a final four run. They're really good. Um, yeah. Good 15, college team. 15 seed uh, Oral Roberts has a big time scorer. I think the leads the NCAA in scorer, scoring Max Abrams. I'm not sure if I said that right, but um, 
he's a big time player, big time scorer. So you have a, a talented guard like that and a bunch of other guys who get after it. You can win a game in, in March um, with a high scoring guard, right? And then 11 seed Syracuse, um, I guess maybe surprisingly, is the best team you know out of the ACC this season, but maybe not. I mean, they have a, a two-three zone that they've been playing for forty-five years, and years? Uh, yeah, it's it's really tough to play against if you're not used to it. And they have you know a bunch of shooters, and if you're making shots during the NCAA tournament, you have a chance to win basketball games. So I'm with you. I don't think that there's been very many upsets other than Texas yeah. beat by Abilene Christian, just because. Yeah, like, you said, like we mentioned, uh, you know, talented guys not playing college basketball or being one and done, and yeah. teams like Duke and uh, Kentucky not even making the tournament. And then a team like North Carolina being down and, you know, all of those other factors that come into play, it kind of, it's kind of a breeding ground for, for teams that you don't expect to make the NCAA tournament and be, you know, successful to be successful. And one of those teams right. running, it's loaded with Southern California players that nobody thought was going to be successful, Oregon state. What has, been your, what, what has been your thoughts on, on the Beavers um, so far in the NCAA tournament? They're in the Sweet 16, and they're playing really well. Well, I just think, I mean, I, I could see a group that's happy to be playing, that seems to like each other. They kind of rallied around something, whether it's it's their head coach, whether it's, hey, we got no respect. I think they have some players that people overlook and like, eh, are they really Pac-12 players? Uh, let's be honest, they have a few guys like that, and I think they've, taking that because this, these guys were chosen to finish 12th in the Pac-12. <laughs> They're chosen in the preseason and to finish 12th. And like yeah. by a long shot, dead last, by a long shot, based, wow. on, the voting, based on the voting. Yeah. yeah, based on the voting, based on like, I'm sure, Devin, you did some research on them for your preseason annuals that you, that you, you track. So, you know, various conferences you have a good read on that and it's just like they got some good players if they play together i think obviously the los altos hacienda heights product jared lucas being inserted into the starting lineup has helped them a lot i mean he's a fiery player and we'll get into some of these players individually devin every single one of these players who makes an impact on the sweet 16 team from california we've seen them multiple times know them very well so i mean for jared he can shoot, like you said, and he's fiery, and he likes to play, and he has a chip on his shoulder. Now, does that carry over to some of the other guys? I think so. And, like, you know, may, many people thought their head coach job was on the line this year. I mean, and they did a good job down the stretch. They won the, the conference tournament. Very interesting. I mean, we you talked about Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham. They rolled the dice. They brought in his brother to be on staff. They got to the tournament. How about if Arizona, Devin, didn't self-sanction? They have – would they be in the Sweet 16? I mean, they had some pretty good wins this year. You know, they did a lot better than people thought. I think coming off, you know, oh, is Sean Miller going to be around? Or, you know, there, there's a cloud over the program. Are they going on probation? They just panned up and said, you know what, we're going to eat this year. But they actually had some pretty good wins. They were, they were better than Oregon State during the season. <laughs> so – very interesting how you know this is played out. I'm very I'm looking forward to that game. Um Oregon State versus Loyola Chicago, like you said, it won't be an upset uh either way. Loyola uh they can obviously win that game and, and give Villanova Baylor all they can handle. Um as you mentioned with the the other team, Oral Roberts playing Arkansas. Very interesting game. These are the Saturday games, Villanova Baylor. 
and then Syracuse Houston in the 11-2. So very interesting um, notion there. I, I I do like what Oregon State's doing. Obviously, I'm I'm pooling for anybody that has Southern California players. So I'm very interested in all these games. Actually, they're very yeah. interesting to me. So let's go. Let's go team by team here, Ronnie. We'll start with Oregon State and just kind of discuss the Southern California guys real quickly on each team. So sure. uh, Jared Lucas, obviously, as you mentioned. He's always been a guy who's been a gamer, a competitor, a scorer, a shot maker, um, and just, you know, a guy who, for some reason, people always overlooked. And, you know, when he committed to Oregon State, you know, a lot of the talk was, eh, he's not a Pac-12 player, not a Pac-12 player. Out of out of that whole 219 class that you went to Oregon State, Ronnie, um, Jared Lucas was the one guy I was like, yeah, he can play in the Pac-12 for sure. Because... Number one, shoot. Well, number one, he's just like I said, he's a gamer and he's he's played at a high level, one of the all time leading scorers in state of California history. If you can put the ball in the basket like that, uh, you can play at any level. And if you're kind of if you're kind of as tough and as gritty as as uh, as Jared uh, Lucas has shown us, he was in high school. uh, You can win. You can go play at at any level, really. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, as you mentioned. The other guys on the team, uh, four of them or three of them are from Bishop Ethan, Montgomery. Yes, Jared. Uh, no, Ethan, uh, Julian. No, uh, Ethan and Gianni and Isaiah Johnson. Three Bishop Montgomery guys. Uh, Isaiah Johnson, not a role player just yet. Julian Franklin plays sparing minutes. Um, but Roman Silva's another guy, Ronnie. I mean, <laughs> Roman. I mean, dude. I, honestly, I'm, I'll be honest. I didn't when it, when that happened and he committed out of uh, San Bernardino uh, Community College. I was like, what? Yeah. Okay. But again, man, I mean, these kids are are proving people wrong, and Roman Silva is a key factor to Arizona. I mean, uh, excuse me, um, Oregon State's uh, Sweet Sixteen run, and I'm happy for all those guys. Uh, well, you got to Devin. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in there real quick with Roman yeah. Silva. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. You need some size and you need some rebounding and toughness. I don't care what Pac-12 team you are or what. If you're going to win six games in a row, you need a guy with that can body up and, and grab some rebounds. I mean, so there's always going to be a premium on guys with some size and some decent skill. I mean, Roman Silva's not the most skillful pair. I mean, you know that. I mean, uh, the guys who follow our In the Paint show know that a little bit. But it doesn't matter. When it comes down to it, you need somebody 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", to get in there and, 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 and fight. You know, so that's what yeah. he does. And if there's anything I remember about Roman Silva from his high school days is he was tough and he didn't take any shit. So he's yeah. he's proven that that um, at the next level, you know, being tough and, and physical and a guy who can rebound and change shots around the basket, still important. Okay, let's move to USC, which has quite a few. I'm going to run them off here, Ronnie. <laughs> Everyone knows, you know, Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley, uh, Max Agbonpolo from Santa Margarita, Isaiah White from Damien who got snubbed by the San Gabriel Valley reporter guy on Twitter the other day. I sent that, <laughs> I sent that tweet to you. We were laughing about that. He's a starter on, on the Sweet 16 team, and, and he can't get any love from his hometown paper. Um, Ethan Anderson from Fairfax, Ubakar Kulabali, uh, Reese Waters, yeah. Taylon Lewis, Ronnie, track star, Taylon Lewis, Amar Ross from Fremont, wow. and McKay Anderson, La Cunada. I'm not sure if he went to uh, a private school in La Cunada or if he went to La Cunada. Let me look that up. But um, obviously, we don't need takes on Evan and Isaiah Mobley because everyone knows Evan and, and yeah. Isaiah Mobley. What have you seen from maybe the other guys like Max or Isaiah White 
that has surprised you or something that is just like, yeah, we, we already knew that they were that good? Well, I think Max, when you look at him, he has he can get up and down the floor. He's six eight, you know, six seven, six eight. He has skill, he can run. He's a guy, even if his skill level's not to the where you want it, or you're like, hey, to be a you know, a starter or an all-conference player in the Pac-12, he's still you, you, the way he covers ground and the way he can get up and down the floor, he's going to be a, a factor on almost any of these Sweet 16 teams off the bench. I mean, just the guy's a thoroughbred. You know, again, was he as skilled as his teammate Jay Kaiman at, at Santa Margarita, who's out of UCLA? No, you know, he didn't. He, he, most people would say Jake had a stronger high school career, and obviously they were a one-two punch, but there was no doubt that if he – got his opportunity and, and found a, a role that he was going to excel just because of his his physical ability. We talk about physical ability. He's one of the most physical ability guys. Now, Isaiah kind of took the, the hard road. You know, uh, I think he went to Southern Utah. I think he went to a junior college, if I'm not mistaken. Isaiah was always talented, yeah. worked hard. Um, did I think he'd start at USC in a Sweet 16 team? No, not offhand, but that's the beauty of this tournament. That's why we're talking about these guys now. He's tough. He's um he's experienced and he can score a bit, you know, and, and you see these guys that when you look at him in high school and then you want to look at guys and you say, man, he hasn't really um, progressed much physically. Then you look at Isaiah and you look like he looks like a man now, like he's he looks like a guy who can play college basketball, you know, like just his shoulders, his his uh, physique. It's like he's going to give you good minutes. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for those guys. Obviously, they have other guys. Bubakar, I don't think he plays much uh, from San Gabriel Academy. We know he's a shot blocker. Uh, Ethan Anderson had some injuries, but he's also contributing. Um, and Reese Waters, very interesting. He, he's originally in 221, but he moved up. And it's okay because this, in essence, is a free year. This is a free year for everybody. So got to keep that in mind. And we're not going to even get into the transfer portal and the free <laughs> year and all that. I mean, there's, we'd be here for three hours. Yeah, any any D one bounce back guy who's six six eight and over and uh, doesn't have a spot, Fullerton Junior College is looking for a six eight bounce back D one player. Give me a ring, give me a buzz on Twitter. We got a spot for you. But yeah, Ronnie, back to Isaiah White and Max. Obviously, a guy who is as as athletic and fluid as Max Agbonpolo is going to you know he's on the court. He's going to make things happen. Um, I th- I still think for Max, there's probably a disconnect from the defensive end and kind of staying engaged. Okay, uh, during all of his minutes on the court. And once he puts it, once he puts all that together, Ronnie, he has a chance to be extremely good. He just needs to unlock yeah. all that potential. And that, I'm going to watch that. You mentioned that yeah. I'm going to watch that when they play Oregon. And we'll talk about that in the six, seven matchup. We'll get into that here in a minute, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be, that's one of the things I'll be looking for is, you know, when Max gets on the floor, I'll be getting your cue there and saying, hey, let's see what he does defensively. Does he, yeah. does he lose his man on the back door? Does he not re-engage or whatever it is that, that you're mentioning and that's affecting minutes that affects all college minutes. If you're not locked in defensively, you know, you're not getting on the floor for Loyola Chicago for sure. You know, you're not Shit, getting no. on the floor for Villanova. You know, that's, you're yeah. not getting on the floor for Florida state and probably not for Juwan Howard either. Yeah. And to your point about Isaiah white, I agree with you. Kind of his road has been different uh, junior college to another uh, mid to low major school and then transferred to USC and make an impact really happy for Isaiah white. I liked him a lot in high school. Uh, and then la- last guy here that we're going to talk about, Ethan Anderson, Ronnie, is another guy. He was in- originally committed to UNLV, and once they made a coaching change and hired uh, T.J. Altelberger, who is now no longer the coach there, he's at Iowa State, 
Ethan Anderson opened up his recruitment and chose USC. And that was, for me, Ronnie, that was a brilliant recruiting move for USC because he's a local hometown kid, went to yeah. the, the city school. Uh, the premier city school was a star at that school. But a lot of people, I think, you know, in the in the recruiting world, the Southern California recruiting world, uh, at least, didn't think that Ethan Anderson was a Pac-12 player. And to me, that's crazy. He has the similar approach, the similar um, kind of uh, underdog type mentality that Jared Lucas has. And I think that's yeah. why both of them have been successful at their respective Pac-12 schools is because people doubt them. And those those two guys are really, really, really hard-headed and uh, stubborn. Yeah. They're stubborn. Yeah. In, I a give, good, uh, in a good yeah, way. In a good way, for sure. Ethan, um, I've known about Ethan for a long time, even before he rolled in, in Fairfax. And as long as he had the grew into the physical ability, and he's about, what, 6'1", six, 6'2", six, maybe? Big, strong kid. I mean, that's one thing he's got to watch, watch is his size and his weight is always going to be, you know, something. But he can get in the key. Like you said, he was a city player of the year, so it's not like he's not capable. Right. Um, you know, he again, was he the recruit everybody wanted? Maybe not, but it, it doesn't matter. He's there now. And I could always see that he was going to be a contributor. Um, he went through ups and downs at, at times. Again, I think for me and you, Devin, we saw him so much, whether yeah. it's summer league, we did a uh, uh, high school game or or grassroots game. It's almost like you could over evaluate it. Like, does he have the ability to 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 play in a Pac twelve school? Yes. I mean, just bottom line, yes. You know, so again, where he fits in is very different. Fit is very important as as we talk about and as we're seeing with these with the tournament. Fit is very important, and uh, you know, are not fitting in. You know, going to the wrong school for the wrong reason, whether it's trying to go to Duke or go to Kentucky or one of these schools where it's not the right fit for you. Uh, case in point, Johnny Juzang, which we'll get into the other side of the bracket, UCLA. We mentioned Kentucky's having a, a, a bad season, missed the tournament, and one of their problems is outside shooting. Well, Johnny Juzang is averaging 22 points a game for UCLA. So, again, it works for some, works for don't. So, uh, you know, good kudos to him. He found his right niche, whether it's, how he did it, again, people, like you said with Isaiah White, people take various paths to get to where they want to be or where the fit is right, and it's it's lucky for Johnny he found that pretty fast. So Yeah, to, to your point on Ethan Anderson and over-evaluation, like you mentioned, we saw Ethan, I mean, from, Hundreds of times. from his eighth grade year yeah. to the end of his high school career, we had to have seen him over 100 times, and that's not even exaggerating, which is insane, yeah. but... Yeah. While you can overevaluate skill set, while you can overevaluate um, defensive attributes, things like that, uh, body type, athleticism, whatever it may be, you can't overevaluate that Ethan Anderson brought it every single game. Yeah, the desire. Yeah. He, he, he played hard. He played tough basketball. He played smart basketball every time he took the court. And you can't overevaluate that. And I think that's one of the major reasons why Ethan Anderson is having so much success at the Pac-12 level is because he brings it every every day, practice, game, warm-ups, pregame. Ethan Anderson's always locked in, and that's why I appreciate watching him play. Let's move to UCLA. A lot of guys on UCLA, Ronnie Starters, Jules Bernard, as you mentioned, Johnny Juzang, um, Jaime Jaquez from Camarillo, and Cody Riley from Sierra Canyon, another guy, Ronnie, who we saw play hundreds of times over his yeah. seventh to twelfth grade career. Um, 
And then you have uh, key bench guys, Jalen Clark from Etiwanda, a freshman, Jake Kaiman, a sophomore from Santa Margarita. And then you have a couple walk-ons, Logan Cremonesi and Russell Stong, who have kind of become famous, Ronnie, for their um, their sideline antics. Like, ha- antics and like handshakes after, you know, good plays or buckets. So good for them. <laughs> good for them getting some face time. Oh, and we can't forget to mention uh, Bishop Montgomery and Belmont Shore alum, David Singleton. Apologies for, for missing his name there, but he's on that squad too. And he's been playing well during off the bench during the NCAA tournament. Ronnie, um, let's go into a little bit more in depth on Johnny Juzang. Uh, I mean, Kentucky just wasn't the right fit and that's obvious. He's sure playing extremely well for um, for UCLA. And when, when he originally committed to Kentucky uh, and reclassed up, I, I'll admit I didn't think it was a good idea. I didn't. And yeah. uh, I didn't think so either. Unfortunately, because uh, yeah. Johnny Juzang, great kid, comes from a great family. Uh, his dad, Max, he's a great dude. His brother, Christian Juzang, is a, a really good kid. And um, I wanted Johnny to succeed wherever he went. But again, I, it just wasn't a good fit. You and I, and a lot of Southern California people didn't like it, that fit, from the get-go. And it's great to see him back in Southern California, where he's comfortable, and in an area where he can contribute and contribute a lot. Because like you said, yeah. 22 points a game, hitting open shots, and he's doing a better job of getting to the free throw line and using that high percentage to make an impact on the game. So I'm, I'm really happy for Johnny Juzang that he found a spot that he's comfortable and he's getting a lot of PT. Uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. Ronnie, this is your boy. <laughs> this is your guy. Tell me, come on. How yeah. could anyone not think that this guy was going to be successful? Well, yeah. I mean, again, another guy we saw a lot. I mean, he's he brings toughness. He's a Mick Cronin type guy, and I think whatever he's doing is helping Jules Bernard. Uh, it's helping David Singleton. It's helping Juzang. You look at Mick Cronin. If you're not what UCLA has got got him to this point against Alabama, which is going to be a hell of a game on Sunday, and it's going to be a big step up from Abilene Christian. They're going to have to be locked in. Is defensively, I mean, you're not going to if you're not ready for Mick Cronin, he's going to get on you. And I think, like you said, it's helped Juzang, it's helped Bernard, it's helped Singleton. And I don't think it's really. I think that's right up Jaime's Jaime's uh, alley. Like, oh yeah, physical. Oh yeah, I'm going up against the guy six eight six nine. I don't care. You know, like just give me the ball. So uh, I do think Johnny's a little bit more talented scorer than him, but Jaime just doesn't doesn't care. He's going to take it. He he's relentless, and I think that's rubbing off on the rest of the team. He's had some. He had a big game in the first round. Maybe didn't score. He didn't score as much against Abilene. They didn't really need him to. But I think he's going to have to be hitting in the 15 to 23 points range against Alabama. You know, he's going to have to have that first, the a similar game he had in the first round. Again, Singleton's going to have to hit a few timely buckets. He's going to get some minutes. And obviously, if Johnny keeps up his 22 point per game average, that's going to be good. So, I mean, you know, Alabama's going to have a, their hands full defensively, but so is UCLA. They're, the, the, the speed. The foot speed and the transition game of Alabama is going to be a thousand times different than Abilene Christian. I mean, yeah, that game is going to be really interesting. And just to touch on your point about Jaime, he didn't, you know, he went to Camarillo, a local high school, a public school where he was the guy for four years, right? For four years. Yeah. And I think he kind of built a little bit of uh, uh, that alpha dog mentality, being that guy. Because they played, 
they played in you know good tournaments. They played against good teams. You know they didn't duck. Yes, he did. They didn't duck competition when he was in high school. No, and, and you were there too when they beat Modern Day. Camarillo oh, yeah. beat Modern Day at at the Fairfax State Preview. Yep, I was there, and, and Jaime had over thirty points in that game, and he played for the Truth um, on the EYBL circuit along with uh, Jaden Shackelford, who they're going to match up against. Correct. In the, in this next round, so Jaime not surprised at all because, like you said. He's a Mick Cronin kind of guy. He's tough. He's gritty. No, no BS kind of player. And again, people are like, "Oh my God, this guy's athletic!" Like, yeah, you didn't watch him in high school. Like, you didn't see those highlights we put out of him. <laughs> he's athletic. Like, what are you talking about? So, well, I remember that one dunk he had down there at at, at the Ladera Sports Complex that everybody was like, "Who's that guy?" Right. It's like, yeah, that's Jaime Hawkins from the Truth. You know, like he just dunked on somebody really bad. Right. And, and then. And, I mean, he's a good player, Pac-12 player. It's funny because you think about Riley Batten, who, who's transferring from uh, from Utah, Riley Batten from Oak Park. And Riley Batten was like one of the all-time great players in Ventura County history. Really one of the most productive players in state history. Yeah. And, and turning points and rebounds. And he was in the same league as, as Jaime. So Riley was like the league player of the year like three times. And then – and then uh, – Jacques is one year younger than him, and then he was the league player of the year. So it's very interesting. You look at Ventura County like history. You have two of the best, maybe five best players in in county history in the last fifty years, like in the same league at the same time. It just so happened they were in the same league, and and then uh, they got you know who else got overlooked a little bit is our football football basketball grid Hooper from USC, um, who who played Drake London. Yeah, Drake London, who played it, who played at Moore Park in that, in that uh, same county, and it's like to have three guys like that at the same time, basically playing against each other or playing against each other, you know, a couple times. It's, it's it was very like wow, it was very interesting. You don't see players like that in Ventura County all the time. So well, yeah, and that's that's you know, Drake London obviously is not on their roster, right? Yeah, because. He, he decided that he's going to focus on football, which is a very smart decision because he's probably one of the – he's probably going to be a very long-term yeah. tight end wide receiver type player in the NFL. Yeah. So, Sure. Uh, but if Drake London focused on basketball, Drake London would be on the USC roster and Drake London would be contributing on that USC roster. So there's another – I'm sure Mick, Mick Cronin would love Jake Lo- Drake oh, London. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no no doubt uh, Drake London would succeed with uh, with – uh, USC with Mick Cronin with basically any program because that dude yeah. is a monster. He'll looking back, Ronnie, on on Drake London uh, and his career at Moore Park. We are going to look back when he's you know a 15 year NFL receiver and be like, yeah. damn, we we didn't appreciate Drake London as much as we should. Yeah, as much as we should have when he was in high school. Yeah, because we saw him at BTI a lot, and he yeah. obviously was terrific. The problem was, and I guess I don't know if that's that's our probably fault. We talked a little bit of that about that with um, Dave Lillard's high school coach a few episodes back. Was that they weren't in the big showcase game like well, dude, more far, more far, so far, it's so yeah. far, and it's so yeah, hard like, to get there. And even if they did play, they'd be playing at noon or two p.m. Yeah. You know, you know, they were never playing in the seven p.m. game that everybody was there to see. That's that's probably our fault a little bit. We but we've talked about that before with certain guys. Drake just didn't play on a football team or a basketball team that was that good. And yeah. like your coach Ryan Moore said, and we're going to talk about Coach Moore a little while when we talk about CF basketball, is without him, we'd just be law. We'd be in the cellar. We'd, we'd, we'd win nothing. So 
kudos to, to that team and, and and kudos to Jaime. You know, it, it's funny. I remember Drake London's mom told me, you know, uh, we always felt like Drake was always trying to fight for publicity and respect with Jaime in the league. You know, like it's very, very interesting. It is interesting, but I think it paid off for both those guys in their respective yeah. sports because they're they're both the you know big time competitors. And just to put it in perspective, Ronnie, Moore Park High School from us, how many miles do you think that is? Uh, 60, maybe sixty north, fifty to sixty-five. Yeah, you know, I went to school in the San Fernando Valley, and to get to Moore Park, that's another thirty minutes. You well, know, yeah. Another- so if we're trying to go to a seven p.m. Moore Park game. Uh, no, no offense to Coach Ryan Moore over at Moore Park, but man, from Fountain Valley, Ronnie, that would take me like four hours on a on a on a good day. <laughs> you might as well go to Vegas yeah. on a good day. I might as well go to Vegas and, and gamble a little bit or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah let's let's move on to our our next team, uh, Alabama. Jaden Shackelford, Ronnie from Hesperia High School, another guy who, um, you know, that's way out there, and yeah. they he played in everything, whether it was a camp. Or yeah, showcase whatever it was. Jaden Shackelford played in everything. Another product of the truth. Um, EYBL team. Shout out to uh, Jason Crow and DeAnthony Langston. Um, uh, I I don't think there was any ever any question about Jaden Shackelford's offensive ability from my end. I had him yeah. ranked as a a top six player, I think, in that two nineteen class. And, sure. and obviously he, he went to Alabama. People questioned, oh, can you play in the SEC? Yes, Jaden Shackelford can play in the SEC. Obviously. No doubt he can play in the SEC because Obviously. he can shoot and he's competitive. Shoot competitive, and you know what he is? He's one of the hardest working players I've ever seen, ever. Yeah, um, he he wants to get better. Like you said, he his dad and his family will drive him, and that's a long drive. You know, they drive him around. <laughs> they do. They would go. They would play in Jamie Shackelford would play in everything. He reminded me of you remember when Stanley would play in everything. He'd just show up uh, to the gym and he'd play in everything. That's what Jaden Shackelford reminded me of, the way that he, like any event, if he was invited to it or whatever, he'd be there. He would be yeah. there and he would compete. So that's not surprising at all. And, and I'm looking forward to to watching Jaden against uh, a lot of his, his uh, 219 classmates and guys he played against at the high school level, you know what I mean, on club and, and high school level um, this upcoming weekend. Let me let me give down my rundown, Devin. I'll I'll, I'll you, you, Ronnie. You, I saw you. I saw you pulling up the. I saw you pulling up the numbers. Let's see what we got. Yeah, you 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 tell me what I think and and where you had your list and we'll we'll go over this and and this is my Cal High Sports Hot 100 for 219, right. the final one. Uh, I'm gonna do one for 221. Uh, it's just been so fragmented. Again, we're gonna talk about the high school season. I haven't even done one. It seems like in a close to a year. I feel really bad for 221s. You know, oh, dude, I'm. I gotta do. I gotta do some ranking updates too, but it's it's hard because we haven't seen yeah. anybody play. Yeah, I mean, really, I it's funny. Our guy Greg Rosenberg and Freitas in Arizona, they've seen as many California guys as like I have. I'm like, dude, I told Freitas, I'm like, you've seen more guys in Arizona than I have locally. Yeah, very crazy time, but we'll get into that. But here's my list for 219. Onyeka and Kongu one, Isaiah Mobley two, Cassius Stanley three, Razan Boogie Ellis four. Jake Kaiman five, Jaime Hawkes six, Johnny Juzang seven. But again, Johnny came down from two twenty right at the end, so I had to plug him in somewhere. And then number eight, Jaden Shackelford. I like that. I like it's pretty. It's pretty not, uh, bad. not bad. I'll go. I'll go through my list, Ronnie. You're gonna love this. Yeah, you're gonna love my list, man. All right, <laughs> ready? Okay, yeah. Number one, Big O Onyeka Okongwu. 
Number okay. two, Isaiah Mobley. Yep. Number three, Jaime Hawkes Jr. <laughs> Jaime Hawkes Jr. Number four was uh, Boogie Ellis. Number five yeah. was it was Cassius Stanley, uh, which obviously should have been flip flopped. Um, number six, Ronnie, you're gonna love this. Number six, Drake London. Hey, there you go. See seven, I, I, seven, Jaden Shackelford. Eight, Jake Kyman. Uh, nine, Max Agbonpolo, and ten, Ethan Anderson. So look at that, Ronnie. Yeah. I'm I had not too far. I had Ethan ten too. Yeah. The only thing I had thrown in there that you wouldn't have was the Ohio State commit from NAP, uh, Prolific Prep, uh, Ibrahim Diallo. Again, he's not a, a guy really on your radar. So, um, you know, very interesting list. Uh, I Jonathan Lucas. Salazar. You I know what? We both probably had Jared yeah. Lucas a hair too low. I had him right below Drake London. At what number? I had him 15. Okay. Yeah, I had him. I had so him. The guys I didn't uh, – I had Zach Harvey. Again, I'm throwing in prolific prep guys. Yeah. And then Jonathan Salazar, the Tasmanian devil, is thrown in there. Wow. St. John Bosco. Yeah. yeah. I love Jonathan. He played so damn hard. He got hurt, and I don't think he's ever been the same yeah. since he got hurt as far as athleticism goes. Uh, yeah, I, I had Lucas in the mid-teens as well, and obviously way too low. Um, but that's, that's kind of cool. But we, how many? But where can you move them up to? That's the, I mean, you can't move them up that many spots. Maybe a few, you know. So I, I could probably. I mean, I had Jared Hyder pretty high at eleven. Yeah. Um, I had Christian okay. Coloco pretty high at twelve, and I had Scotty Pippen Jr. high at thirteen. And obviously, you know, Scotty Pippen Jr. is is putting up huge numbers at Vanderbilt. Uh, it's not translating into Ws, but he's putting yeah. up big numbers. So yeah, I yeah. mean, I think you could put him above. I mean, Kenny Martin Jr. He's in the NBA. Like, what are you yeah. supposed? To, what are you supposed to do? Like, what are you supposed I mean, to do? Yeah. The only guy I see that I don't. I'm interested to see where you had him. He he signed with U of A Birmingham. Is Jordan Brinson from Westchester? Did you have him in, or do you have him a little lower? I had Jordan Brinson number twenty-two. Okay, that's probably. I probably had him a little higher than, than. But I liked him. I thought he played good D. I thought he was almost to the level of Ethan Anderson. I thought Ethan was a little better, but. Not by much. Again, yeah. maybe I've seen them all the time, you know. So um, I thought he was a hell of a player, a For high sure. school player. For know? sure. Yeah. That's, and that's he fun. was big. He had size. He can, you know. But, again, that's very interesting. It's fun very to good back. class. Very yeah, good class. It's a really good class. That class is really shaping up to, to be pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's fun to look back at those those old school rankings yeah. that we do. And that's we my were, first. We were good at the top. Like you said, you probably should have had Cassius flip. Three, four, or four, yeah. five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I should have had him flipped, and I didn't. So, obviously, I made a mistake there. Hopefully, Cassius has a long and, and successful and lucrative NBA career. Let's move to Arkansas, Ronnie. Vance Jackson. Yeah. Vance Jackson went to UConn, New Mexico. Now he's at Arkansas. He is in the Sweet 16. Congratulations to Vance Jackson. Always a great kid to, to talk to. And another guy, yeah. Ronnie, uh, from his time at, at Bosco, uh, that we covered a lot. We covered Vance Jackson a lot, and yeah, he's it seems like a long time ago. I mean, he played yeah. with he played with Daniel Hamilton and Tyler Dorsey. That yeah. just seems he was like an a underclassman long time on ago. those teams. He was an underclassman on those teams. Yeah, seems like a long time ago. They won a state title. They beat Jordan Ford for a, in a state title game. I, yeah. I, I vividly recall Jordan, Jordan Ford had a he had a great career at St. Mary's. Yeah, great player. A lot of great memories. Again, I, we're so happy for some of these guys that we got to see um on on this uh you know tournament and and honestly i'm looking forward to the sweet 16 as much as any sweet six any tournament sweet 16 i've looked forward to in a long time and and and, and we got to talk about before we talk about these matchups let me run down sunday's matchups we already ran down saturday's 
Creighton versus Gonzaga started off. Uh, Creighton uh, doesn't have anybody from Southern California. Gonzaga has Dominique Harris, the Rancho Christian standout who played with the Mobley brothers. They have, uh, before, you, before you go on, Ronnie, they have two walk-ons as well. Abe Eagle from Chaminade and Kobe Brooks from Loyola. Wow. Shout out to Chaminade and shout out to Jamal Adams, our guy at Loyola High School. Yeah, those are very, uh, yeah, you know, you just know there's always a lot of guys toiling walk-ons, guys who, you know, get scholarships later after two or three years. So it's, it's always good to see those guys. The second game of Sunday is Florida State-Michigan. That's a heavyweight matchup. Uh, neither team has a guy from Southern California or California, obviously. Our guy Frankie Collins from Sacramento, who's who 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 lives in Las Vegas, is signed with part of that Michigan class. And then the UCLA Alabama game, the the truth, the mad, the Jason Crow and DeAnthony Langston are going to be at the edge of their seats for that yep. third game. UCLA Alabama, and then the biggie, the nightcap, Oregon USC. Devin, let's talk a little bit about that game, the last game of the Sweet Sixteen, the six yep. to seven. Yep. You look at the Pac-12 standings. Those are the two best teams in the Pac-12 standing-wise. Why the hell are they in the same quadrant? Because, I mean, this goes to the whole West Coast bias type thing, I think. Yeah. And the Pac-12 network uh, not, allow not allowing people to watch the fucking games, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't watch Pac-12 network games because yeah. you got to subscribe and they only have a, 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 a deal with one you know TV provider, you know, so – that's really hard to get access to those games. So you don't see them, um, you know, going back into the regular season, uh, USC beat Oregon, uh, 72 58. Okay. And they played on, looks like they only played one game running. Cause I think maybe yeah. one of them was, was canceled or, or dropped yeah. because of COVID-19. So, um, they, and it's tough. So this season is really tough to base, you know, who's better between Oregon and USC off yeah. one game. But yeah, it's just they're in the same they're in the same quadrant. They're in the same side of the bracket or same region because uh, committee people uh, they they can't watch Pac-12 Network games and yeah, there's not, not watching a, to the level. And if and do. if there are ESPN Pac-12 games, it's you know or or uh, telecast live like that Oregon USC game was on FS1. It was a national televised game on FS1. Yeah, uh, it started. It starts late. Correct. It starts too late. It's 9 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. 7 p.m. You know what I mean? Pacific. So if a lot of... Yeah, if it's 6 p.m. Pacific, it's 9 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Eastern. So a lot of people are going to bed. or yeah, they're, they're watching like, Snowfall or they're watching... Their snowfall? Movies. What is yeah. Snowfall? Is that a good yeah. show? Yeah, I'd say it's an FX. I think it's an FX show on, 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 on uh, Netflix. But yeah, I'm just saying they're watching one of their favorite shows. They're watching something else. Yeah, they're you know they're they're in their girlfriend or their old lady getting ready for bed. They're gonna, they're not gonna <laughs> Ronnie, watch my fourth game of the day. Like, Ronnie, oh, your yeah. wife's gonna kill you, dude. You can't watch the Pac-12 Network at midnight. <laughs> I thought I thought I thought you said they're in their girlfriend or old lady, and I'm like, damn, okay, this is, that's the kind of show we're having today. Jesus, yeah, no, no, I'm saying you know they're they're probably like you said at some point you got to make a concession. Okay, somebody else want to watch the TV. You already watched two or three games. You're just not gonna watch the last Pac-12 game. Let's be honest. Well, Devin, let's be honest. How many people watch Oregon State before the Pac-12, before the Track 12 tournament title game, or before this tournament? I barely did. One percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, how many I college basketball watched, fans really watched Oregon State? You know what I mean? I watched them a few times, and yeah. you know, people who only have one TV in their house. Let's just go on a tangent here. Get, yeah. What is wrong with you? 
Yeah. More than one TV. It, it, my wife's family thinks I'm insane because I have a TV in every room. No, yeah. that is not insane. I got three rooms that I watch TV in. And I you have your and your phone's going too. I got yeah. three TVs. I got my my iMac screen here. That's 28. Uh, I got my phone. I got an iPad. We got screens. We got all the screens. Whatever you do in life, get yeah. lots of screens so you can watch lots of basketball. Um, but yeah, I think I think just the overall seating in general of Pac-12 teams was clearly low. You have Oregon State as a 12. You have USC as a six. You have Oregon as a seven. You have UCLA as an 11, who had a play-in game. So you look at all four of those teams, Ronnie, they're underseated based on being in the Sweet 16. Why is that? Pac-12 network, late start games. Not distribution. No, and there's no, you know, nobody wants to follow it because there's not a whole lot of promo for it, right? I mean, because they can't see the promo because it's on Pac-12 network. Yeah, it's, well, you made a good point because our guy, AJ Diggs, I believe he's works, does he still work with the Toronto Raptors? I think he's with the Pelicans now, AJ Diggs. Okay, so he's been on the East Coast. He, He mentioned on Twitter a few days ago with me, and he's a former Long Beach Poly player, Cal player, and he's a former Long Beach Poly assistant coach. He's like, Ronnie, dude, I've lived on the East Coast. I get it. I get why people can't watch them. those those uh, West Coast games. And it was like that for me growing up. You know, I remember in the mid-90s, uh, Charles Jones, again, just a random name came to my mind. Charles Jones played at Long Island U. He's from New York. And he was the NCAA leading scorer for, I think, the 96 or 97 season. But the point uh-huh. being is, I knew all about him, right? Again, because he was in the newspapers. It was easy to follow. Say, man, this guy's pretty good. I've heard about him. He's a pretty good score. Maybe he's going to be a second-round pick, something like that. And the point is, people in New York do knew nothing about players at St. Mary's, Cal State Northridge, UC Irvine, nothing. Very little. They knew very little. Because, again, the scores weren't in the newspaper the next day, Devin. Right. Or there was no box score. They couldn't follow, oh, my guy, let me check out my guy at Cal State Fullerton. The New York Times or the New York Post has no box scores of Cal State Fullerton. So how are you supposed to follow players a bit? You just can't, you know what I mean? So kind of goes back to what we're saying, that that, that time, three-hour time change is always going to be a problem for the West Coast. But that Pac-12 network is killing them. All these kids should have a much bigger, bigger brand, a much bigger following. Yeah, I think uh, everybody knows Evan Mobley because he yeah. might be the number one pick. I hope so. Besides Evan Mobley, these guys are not getting a lot of ink. Yeah. Jaime Hawkins. And then it doesn't help when our guys on the NCAA tournament coverage for the various channels, the True, TNT, they can't even pronounce their names. I mean, they don't even... They don't even know. Like, I love I love Charles Barkley and those guys uh, on NBA coverage. Um, yeah. You know, they're obviously well versed in, in the NBA level, and they, they played college basketball and NBA basketball at a very high level. But you see that they just throw them on there, and they don't do any research. They don't know how to pronounce yeah. names. They don't know where guys went to high school. They're they're you know misquoting. How they got there? How well, they're, they yeah, they're misquoting there? like what, what club teams they played for, or who their teammates were in in club. They don't even they don't even know. So, yeah, I think that hurts as well. That hurts the West, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's harder to to track down if you live on the East Coast, you know. For sure, and you know, even even you know, Pac-12 network coverage with, or ESPN coverage uh, that Bill Walton does, like he's he funny off on a tangent, whatever. Yeah. He he's it's funny at times, and you know, he says some outlandish stuff, but he doesn't like even he doesn't 
No, he doesn't say where people went to school. He doesn't represent the players the way that they should be. No, he's just going off on a tangent at times. What's funny, our guy guy Dalen Terry from Arizona, who's from Arizona, he plays at the University of Arizona. Bill Walton goes off on a tangent. Why is his name spelled D-A-L-E-N? Like, dude, he's on that every game. Yeah, yeah, who cares? Say something about him, where he went to school, what kind of player is he? He's so, like your point, he goes off on a tangent, and then the fans miss out on learning a little nugget about the player. Right, and that's kind of the whole job of a a color commentator, is to give those interesting... You and I have both, you at a higher level than me, but we have both done color commentary live for basketball events, and... It's all about providing information or key, like, you know, describing yeah. what's happening in, in the game to, you know, a T or breaking something down and yeah. giving background information on players and interesting nuggets. And he does yeah. none of that. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, it's it is hard to. That's the reason why we're missing the coverage. And that's why I like to see these teams in this Sweet 16. I hope they get the coverage the next few days because the games are Saturday. There's no Thursday games that, you know, they get a few more extra days of. of Footage, coverage, you know, people know about them, especially Oregon State. You know, that's a great story. Oregon and Oregon State being in the Sweet 16 at the same time is a hell of a story. No, for you know, sure. So, and then one of these Pac-12 teams is definitely going to the eight between Oregon and USC. So, yeah, a very interesting uh, rundown there. Uh, Devin, do you want to get into predictions for these games? We can, yeah. But before we go into predictions, let's mention some more guys who we haven't mentioned yet. Will Johnson, uh, walk on at Oregon. And yeah, we have uh, yep, Chris Johnson's son, Demoria Jones from uh, Narbonne and Antelope Valley Community College. He goes to Oral Roberts, and I'm not sh- so this dude. That's Shane- a hell of a nugget. Yeah, it is. This dude Shane Feldman, uh, Syracuse, looks like a walk on. Uh, he lists his hometown as Agora Hills. So let's give Shane Feldman a, a shout out. <laughs> Agora Hills finest. Shane Feldman, wow. Syracuse Orange. All right, predictions. Let me let me pull up the schedule here, Ronnie. Run, let's run, run through it and then uh, yeah. Uh, Saturday the 27th, Oregon State versus Loyola, Villanova, Baylor, Oral Roberts, Arkansas, Syracuse, Houston. Now that's the TV order. I want to make sure I pull the bracket to make sure that we're giving the right, you know, matchup if it's the eight. So gotcha. I don't, you know, that that TV order, not necessarily the bracket. So Saturday, um, number 12, Oregon State, number eight, Loyola, Chicago. Man, these are two teams that are both really well coached um, and playing well right now, Ronnie. Yes, I'm going to go Loyola Chicago just based on what I've seen and how the, how they play, how they execute offensively, and just how solid they are at every position. Uh, I'm going to go Loyola Chicago over Oregon State, even though I'm pulling for all the Southern California guys uh, on sure. the numbers. I'm going to go Baylor uh, over Villanova because uh, I have Baylor winning the national championship, so I'm hoping that that holds. Three Arkansas, 15 Oral Roberts. Ooh, man, that's a tough one because Oral yeah. Roberts has that like Cinderella feel. And uh, I'm going to go out of the limb here, Ronnie. I'm going to pick Oral Roberts over okay. Arkansas. And so then, then you got Baylor versus Oral Roberts. Very interesting. Yep, Baylor, Oral Roberts, and then Indeed. in that two eleven matchup, Syracuse and Houston. I'm going to go Syracuse. I'm going to go Syracuse because that zone, dude, and they're they're playing it really well. And you've got to have multiple shooters to beat that zone. And I love Quentin Grimes, and I love what. Calvin Sampson's doing it in Houston, but I think Syracuse zone combined with their shooting with, with Buddy Beheim, uh, Joe Girard, the third, one of the, you know, best, uh, scorers in New York state history. And then Quincy, Quincy Garrier, 
also another big time guard for Jim Beheim and Syracuse. I want to go Syracuse on that one. Give me your your Saturday picks. Yeah, you know, as much as I like the, the Bishop Montgomery guys and Jared, it's going to be hard to pick against Loyola. So I got Loyola going to the um, Elite Eight. You know, uh, Sister Jean Magic again. <laughs> Dude, she's uh, legendary, dude. They show her. <laughs> Frank was texting me, and he's like, man, every time they show Sister Jean, I feel like she's going to be slumped over in her chair. <laughs> Frank, that sounds like something Frank would say. Yeah, I mean, she's a, dude, she's active. She's engaged. Like, she's not, like you said, she's not half asleep on her chair. You know, she's into the game. That's that's pretty awesome for that, for, for Miss Sister Jean. You know, uh, Villanova, Baylor. You, you know, Baylor's one of those teams you, you, you can't really bet against in this tournament right now. Uh, you know, they're a very good team. So Baylor will advance. Baylor moves on over a tough Villanova team. Uh, the third game, Arkansas or Roberts. I'll go with Arkansas. So be, I got, uh, Arkansas facing Baylor in the, in the eight and then Syracuse Houston. Tough game as well. Boy, Syracuse Houston, the winner would obviously get Loyola Chicago. I'll go Houston in a, in a, in a nut cutter, a very close game. I, I think Syracuse can't win that game, but I'll just go with the higher seed on that one. Okay. Okay. Now we'll move into, uh, the, the Sunday games mm-hmm. and we'll go time slots here. So, uh, Gonzaga yeah. versus Creighton, 11, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. These are all the Pacific time. Michigan, Florida State, 2 p.m. Alabama, UCLA, 4 15 p.m. And USC, Oregon at 6.45 p.m. All right, I'll start, Ronnie. Gonzaga, Michigan, both number one seeds are going to move on. I have Gonzaga playing Baylor in the national championship game because I want to see that game played. Um, we Not didn't sure. get to see it. We didn't get to see it because of COVID-19. Yeah, we were kind of waiting for that for the regular season. Yeah. I want to see that game. Um, UCLA, Alabama. That's going to be – That's, that's gonna be a pick game. game. I, yeah. think, I think you're – your point about just the, the transition ability and the size and the length and athleticism, yeah, I think that might overwhelm UCLA. I'm going to go Alabama. And then 6-7, this is another toss-up game, Oregon-USC. Man. That is the toss-up game because that's the game that shouldn't be played. Yeah, really? you, yeah, you know who I like a lot, Ronnie? Chris Duarte from Oregon. Yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. I'm going to go I'm gonna go Oregon in that game. I'm going to go Oregon yeah. over USC in that game. What do you, what do you got on these? Okay, so Creighton, Gonzaga, obviously Creighton was, you know, maligned during the end of the regular season for their comments their coach said, but they've done a good job. I just think that they're going to, you know, Jalen Suggs and companies a little too too much for them. So Gonzaga moves on. The winner, uh, they'll get the winner of USC Oregon. Uh, Florida State, Michigan, I wasn't very impressed with either team when I saw them. I know Florida State beat Colorado pretty Pretty fairly. I just wasn't that impressed. Um, they're, they're Colorado, they're just overpowered. I mean, they have too many athletes on the wing, whether it's, you know, our guy Scotty Barnes and a few other guys that are very good, MJ Walker. They got a lot of firepower. But I don't know how good they shoot. I don't know how good their ball handling is. They, they just get up and down. And that's how Leonard Hamilton likes it. Um, Michigan got that size. Their guard play is very average. For a number one seed, I was watching them very closely. Very average. Right. Um, LSU could have won that game. Yeah. Um, I do think they that our guy Hunter Dickinson from Demath is going to be a little too much inside. They keep pounding at you. They get it done. They're they're playing good. So I'll, I'll go with the number one seed, Michigan, Alabama, UCLA. 
Uh, again, UCLA is playing good. However, John Petty and Jaden Shackelford and a couple other and our guy JQ Jelly, I just think they're they're little. Their foot speed's going to give UCLA problems at times. You know, will UCLA keep it close? I think so. I think they'll hit some shots, but they're going to be defended and they're going to be in a dogfight much more than they have been. The talent level is going to raise a lot up for them um, in this game. So I go Alabama in a in a close. I think John Petty and and Javon Quinley will 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 make a difference there. I'm sure Shackelford will play well to hit some open shots. And then this, you know, this torn torn between this Oregon USC game. You know, we talk a lot about the Pac-12 coaches. Um, do they have the representation they need? Uh, you know, that's been a big issue this year. But Devin, give them a lot of credit. The Pac-12 has some good coaches. Yeah, I think led by our guy Dana Altman. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just is one of those guys. I, I take it back to Steve Lavin. Now, well, Steve Lavin will never be confused with John Wooden or a great coach. He just never will. Nothing against Steve Lavin. But Steve Lavin always had UCLA ready to try to win six games in a row. They're, yeah, they're always, always relevant. Always relevant. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I like with Dana Altman. He always has Oregon ready to try to win six games in a row. Like, you look at him, you're like, that's a team that can win six games in a row. Yeah. You don't look at every team and be like, can they win six games in a row? Like Oregon State, are they going to win six games in a row? Very difficult. Um, yeah. You know, Arkansas, are they going to win six games in a row? Uh, no. But you look at a Syracuse, you're like, maybe. Yeah. You look at a Gonzaga, yeah, you know, that type of team. So, you boy, that's going to be a tough one. I, I just think that they're going to hit enough shots to pull it out. Who? You know, Oregon? Tough. Yeah, Oregon. Okay. And, you know, it's hard to go against the Mobleys. They're playing really well. Obviously, Evan's such a big difference maker. But I just think Dana Altman and Oregon, uh, they always play pretty good at this time, especially when they get in there and they have a few games under their belt. They seem to play well. So I guess those matchups for me and you would be Oregon versus Gonzaga. And then that'd be, that'd the other, other quadrant would be um, Michigan and Alabama. Yeah. So that'd be one two. So very interesting to be one two and one six. Yeah. Or one seven. One seven. One seven. Yeah. One seven. I think just to, to do a little bit more college basketball scope type talk. Um, if I'm Indiana and I'm looking for a basketball coach, Ronnie, to revive the program and you know make sure that Indiana uh, basketball is synonymous with winning. Indiana. Yeah. I'm throwing. I'm throwing the house, the car. I'm throwing the bag. I'm throwing the bank account. I'm throwing the credit card. I'm throwing the uh, hedge fund. I'm throwing the booster money at Dana Altman all day. Wow. Yeah. Day. Well, Dana is, you know, his background as a junior college coach. He coached Mitch Richmond in junior college. I like what Dana's doing at Oregon, and it seems to work. Maybe it would work at Indiana. Again, they would have a different type of recruit, or you would assume they would have less junior college recruits. Just being Indiana, but he can coach anywhere. I mean, the guy can coach. So saying he can coach any type of. He's he's gotten the high level high school guy. He's gotten the uh, under recruited junior college guy. He's gotten uh, grad transfers. He's gotten regular transfers, and he somehow always tends to mesh them together and make you know a run at a Pac twelve title or make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So if I'm Indiana. I'm throwing the house at, at Dana Altman and another little nugget of coaching news, Ronnie, that happened while we were on the show. Lon Kruger at Oklahoma has 
retired. retired. 68 years old. He is retired. Um, you know, I'm going to miss Long Kruger in the college level. I always liked watching his, his team's play. Yeah. Especially this. Well, it's very funny, recently. Devin. When I was at ESPN, I went to watch a Finley Prep game versus Gorman, and this was when Shabazz Muhammad was there. And it was a, it was a big game, but it was a day game because of television. So I was able to wake my, make my way over to the New Mexico UNLV game. I just, you know, it happened to, I just yeah. had to go down the street or whatever. And it was just the 2012 season and Long Kruger, dude, I mean, UNLV doesn't know what they missed. I mean, he did a really good job post Jerry Tarkane. We talk about all the coaches that have been there since Tarkanian. It's like a Tarkanian has this shadow over the program. It's a carousel. It's a carousel. Yeah, it's a carousel, and it's continuing now. Now they have his son. Yeah, Long Kruger's really, son. Yeah, he really has that that program humming. They had multiple 20-game win seasons. To your point, he did a hell of a job, and he's a hell of a college coach. So, you know, kudos to Long Kruger. Uh, be interesting to see who they hire. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of coaching moves. I, I want to give the kudos to some of these Pac-12 coaches. They've done a hell of a job, whether it's Mick Cronin, whether it's guy Andy Enfield. And, and and I said that, too. I said, this is the game USC needed to win that game. Yeah. You know, if they got the best player in the conference in Evan Mobley. They needed to get to the Sweet 16. It kind of solidified the Pac-12 like, yeah, they're, they had a hell of a year. So even though they have to play against Oregon, you got to give your hats off to 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 all those coaches. They've done a hell of a job. Tinkle at Oregon State, and and, and you know kudos to them. Even Colorado did a good job. They ran into a Florida State team that yeah. they just couldn't handle, yeah. but they they did a good job. So I, you know they're obviously making some good recruiting decisions and they're making some some good hires. So hopefully the rest of the country sees that and and continues to see that. And when we talk about these players that. We're not just saying they're good because we're not. We have a good relevance of how good they are. Like that 219 class is actually, like you said, turned out to be pretty good. And we haven't even talked about 220. That class can be really good. Yeah. I mean, like multiple NBA level stars good, like Jalen Green, Mobley, you know, we, we, guys of that nature. You know, we For haven't sure. even talked about Josh Christopher, uh, Marcus Bagley, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it's crazy. A lot of good players. Yeah. You know? BJ Boston, Zaire Williams. Right. Not sure. Not sure we can claim Boston because he only played one season in California, yeah. but I know I know what you mean. Um, yeah, just to close out our, our college basketball coverage here, you know, shout out Tad Boyle, Mick Cronin, uh, uh, especially Wayne Tinkle, because I think he was coaching this year with his back against the wall, Ronnie. He was coaching yeah. this year with a lot of people potentially calling for his job. And yeah. not anymore. <laughs> especially if he gets to the next one. Not one anymore. If he gets one more win, you know, I just you gotta give I gotta give a shout out to our guy Ethan Thompson. We didn't talk about the Bishop yeah. Montgomery guys much. You know, Isaiah Johnson, like you said, is not really in the rotation, but he's a he was a good player in high school. And our guy David Singleton at UCLA, that team, I mean, they really put it together. I remember we were I was watching a game at Sierra Canyon and it, it had Marvin Bagley and I, and Cody and all those guys, Remy Martin. And I said, good Lord, this fucking team is good. You know, like, God, Marvin was just so physically gifted. I, you know, again, how good he is, is remains to be seen how, you know, what kind of exactly NBA career he's going to end up with. But it was obvious with him and Cody. It's like, you don't see guys like that. And then I saw Bishop Montgomery roll in. I'm like, Shackelford <laughs> and, and Shackleford. our guy Johnny Hunt. They look like high school players. You know what I mean? And I said, this team can't freaking what am I thinking? This team can't beat Sierra Canyon. And, dude, I mean, Ethan's is just a big-time gamer. I mean, 
I'm happy as a senior now or what whatnot that later in his career he's showing the country that he can really play. Well, you know, it's just because he's always could play. Ethan Thompson is that kid who always has a smile on his face. Yeah. He's nice to everybody. Yeah. And he's just like a a, a nice silent assassin type player. Like yeah. you're like, damn, this guy, he's smiling, you know, he's he's just yeah. you know, kind of going through the motions or you know, he's you can't really tell what kind of impact he's having. And in the game, he's got, you know, 25, eight rebounds, yeah. six assists. And he was like, wow, this dude's really good. And yeah, yeah, I think, I think maybe he was even his production the last few seasons while he was at Oregon state was overshadowed by Trace Tinkle, uh, coach Tinkle's son, who okay. was, you know, a PAC 12, all first team performer, basically every season he was there. So um, yeah, Ethan has the keys to the, to the uh, Oregon state car. And he's obviously doing well. And uh, Ethan Thompson, yeah. that whole family with Stevie and and yeah. Amy Thompson and, and Big yeah. Stevie, who's an yeah. assistant coach in Oregon State, great people, great yeah. people to be around. And just humbled. And we were glad to have Steve Thompson came on our in the paint shows, talking about his high school days and, and, and his recruiting, getting Oregon State ready for this season. He, I remember, he came on in the preseason. And look at where they're at. I mean, like you said, he was at that part of time thinking, damn, I, we better have a good season. My ass is going to be on the line. <laughs> For you know, sure. This is, you know, this was back in November whenever we had him on during the during COVID, during the height of COVID. And, and obviously, he took the time to come on. So, so kudos to them. Obviously, that game we were picking against Oregon State. But Stevie's going to – Ethan's going to have to have a big game again. I think he's going to have to have 20-plus points for them to win. Yeah, and Jared, um, Jared's going to have to hit big shots. Um and I think Jared, Jared's that guy, man. He really is. He yeah. really is that guy who you yeah. can you can really count on to yeah. show up. Two and things about right. Jared Lucas. Obviously, again, we go back to production. We've talked about it in On the Rise. Production, production, production. I mean, we keep saying it. it's like a broken freaking record, right? Again, you look at the top guys who the top California scorers, Demarcus Nelson, Casey Jacobson, uh, Tracy Murray, him. They all were productive in college. So I don't see how people didn't think Jared was going to be productive. You know, it didn't, it doesn't make sense to me. He's very good. And then two things. We had a game, a Bay versus LA game that Jared played in. And, uh, we had a practice, a light practice. And it was in two, uh, it must have been the summer of 218 going into his senior year. Evan played. Evan was the MVP of the South. And, uh, I remember Jared got off the plane uh, and he got to the gym. And Devin, what I remember about him is he was just ready to go and wanted to practice right then. Most of the guys want to mill around. Hey, how are you doing? What's up? I'm a stretch a little. Like Jared was just like, let's play. And I, that always stuck with me because he was the most locked in guy of all the guys that were there. Uh, the Mobleys were there, Johnny Juzang, uh, just various guys that were there. And the North team had some very good players as well. Yeah. Um, you know, but he was the guy that was ready to practice, and that always stuck with me. And then another thing, I think that year at the Pangos All American Camp, uh, the coach for that Pangos All American Camp again, Dinos, our guy Dinos, just has volunteers, so they they're, they're just assigned to the to the team. And the coach was not subbing them in; <laughs> he was not subbing Jared in, right? And Jared just got up and subbed himself in. And was like, what? What are you going to do? Like, I'm playing. So those two things always stuck with me. Is like, okay, this is a guy you want on your team. Yeah. So that's always going to stick with me. So, we're, you know, it's carrying over to this tournament and this season. And I'm glad for Gary. Because yeah. 
like you said, he was always competitive. And I think you were there at that Pangos camp. Oh, yeah. That happened. yeah. Jared was yeah. just like, I'm getting in. I don't give a what are you gonna do? I don't care. Like I'm subbing myself yeah. in. You're gonna you know, you're gonna fight me? Like I'm I'm a high school kid. I'm gonna check into the game. And yeah, Jared Jared's that kind of guy. Uh, while yeah. while we're on the topic, real quick, Ronnie, of uh, Southern California high school players, especially Bishop, Bishop Montgomery guys at the next level, Jordan Shackle. Uh, what a great career at San Diego State he had. Um, yeah, you know, thousand point scorer at San Diego State. Just a just a, another guy who's a gamer. And I total always, gamer. I always like watching Shackle. He's never going to forget that 12,000 people at the Galen Center and Jordan Shackle is just battling with Marvin Bagley in the post. Yeah. It's like, and he's getting it done. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. He's getting it done. Yeah. What's our guy, the other guy, the forward from Bishop Montgomery, who, who was a very good high school player. I think he was a junior on that team, uh, underclassman. He, he, he did really good as well. Will, uh, was it Will Crawford? Will Crawford. Yeah. I mean, just another gamer. Again, he's not a Pac-12 level player, but. You know, I'm sure Doug Mitchell is really excited to be watching these these uh, upcoming games. I wonder if I wonder if Doug's screaming at the TV in that high pitched voice. <laughs> yeah. Our guy Doug and our guy Jason Crow and DeAnthony are really going to be into these games. A top too, man. A top's got a lot of guys on these rosters. A top's got a lot of guys on these rosters for the Compton Man. Obviously, they won the mystical title in 218 with all those guys we just mentioned. They were all players and starters on that team. And the guy that hit the big shot in that game against Team Takeover, uh, the guy from Bakersfield. Oh, I think Simon Tulsa out of the guard. Isaiah Hill? Uh, Isaiah Hill. That yeah. was his only points in that game. He hit a three-pointer down the stretch to help him win that game. Yeah, he's at, he's at Fresno State. He's uh, at Fresno State now. Yeah, obviously, he, he was a great high school player as well. So a lot of yeah. – let just He was the guy that. that's overshadowed because everybody goes, oh, Jared was the guy. That, if you knew that team, Jared wasn't overshadowed, yeah. wasn't overlooked. It was Isaiah Hill. Sure. I, I, everybody's like, "Oh, who's Jared? Who's Jared Lucas?" We're like, "What? He's six three, a shooter, bro." What do you mean? And like, and again, a top four scorer in California State history or something like that. Like it's yeah, it's, it's that's crazy. That's crazy. It's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. So okay. Let's move on. Uh, the final four will be on a regular schedule. The final four will be April third, April fifth, which is Saturday, Monday. So get ready for that. In the paint, fans. Um, as we switch to high school basketball, Devin with yeah. We'll switch real quick and we'll close it out with high school. We do got to mention some things. Uh, high school basketball in Southern California has started, Devin. I mean, what's your highlight take on that? Uh, we talked about Ryan Moore. We talked about Moore Park. Uh, Moore Park played Santa Clara of Oxnard on March 18th. It will go down in infamy after Zaire Williams hit that shot against Etiwanda. The next time we had sanctioned basketball was on March 18th, over a year later. From that Zaire Williams shot against Etiwanda. Ronnie, I have an announcement to make. An announcement to make. I got my I got my first vaccine uh, on Sunday, this past Sunday. Bosco plays Windward Tuesday. Yeah. March this upcoming Tuesday. Tuesday, March thirtieth. Uh, thirtieth. Okay. I think I'm. I got the I got the okay from my wife, Devin Ugland is making his return to the gym after a 382-day hiatus running. I'm Bosco back. Windward. I'm back for Bosco Windward on Tuesday, March 30th. So Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you are. I'm Honestly, I was in Miami for the Fantastic 40. I saw some young players, not not too many SoCal-based. Isaiah Eagle from Heritage Christian, who is going to be playing uh, you know, in a game very soon. Seems like the San Fernando Valley coaches, Devin, or that region has done a really good job of getting prepared 
to play before the announcement was made and the lawsuit went through well, because they, they're on top of it. Ronnie, you know, most of these teams have still been playing or practicing yeah. or sure. in some sort of communication um, yeah. over the last five months, I'd say. I think yeah. in, I think in the beginning, maybe the from from when we first got uh, shut down until I don't know the early fall, maybe people yeah. were taking it pretty seriously and yeah. uh, not really practicing or whatever, you know, doing virtual only. But since then, I think there's been a lot of of teams that have have played in something, got some games in, got some yeah. games in, like whether it was like a, a club event or you know playing as a quasi club team. Teams are playing, so that's you know it's great to have high school basketball back. Uh, and see teams yeah. taking the proper measures to to make that happen. So yeah, yeah it's I'm not excited. like it just kind of came onto us fast because yeah, of the yeah. lawsuit, you know. Yeah, and we're not for Cal High, and I'm sure for you, you're not going to have a big preseason like all this coverage. It just yeah, it's it's just the season's already here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's it's, no it's, coverage to be had yeah. because yeah. you don't know who's playing where, you don't know where. which teams are playing what. Like you don't know. Yeah. You know there's a and there's not going to be a lot of showcases. The only two showcases I know that are continuing right now are. Harvey's state preview event, which I don't know if it's going to be called state preview event, and the Nike Extravaganza is supposed to be played this year. All the other showcases, tournaments, as far as I know, folks, are not going to be played. I think Bosco's showcase is going to happen too. Okay. Gotcha. I think I, Deshaun from Fountain Valley texted me and said that that they're scheduled to play in, in Bosco's showcase. So, gotcha. that's, so that's three showcases. Case. So yeah. three that we know of. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for the kids to be able to play. Yeah. Hopefully – these 221 seniors who uh, haven't gotten a whole lot of looks from colleges yeah. based on the cancellations and shortened season get get some looks. Any yeah. 221 bigs again? I'm going to announce this on the, in the paint show. Any 221 big men who want an extra year <laughs> development, <laughs> hit me up. Hit your boy up for yeah. junior college. Um, yeah. So, so here's the rundown. I want to yeah, give a rundown because you mentioned Bosco and Winward. Obviously, these teams have been nationally ranked all season at zero and zero. My Fab 50 checking out on BallsLife.com. Obviously, we can have more coverage. I'm sure, Devin, you'll have more coverage on your website, on Prep Hoops, on Ball's Life. Sierra Canyon, Modern Day, Bishop O'Dowd, now Rebay Academy. So uh, next I have, and this would be for a state ranking, I have Winward, Corona Centennial, as long as they have their full slate of players, and Bosco, and then Mitty. So that would be the top eight. Again, you have also Chaminade, who is going to battle uh, Harvard Westlake for that Mission League title. Campa Lindo, who never got to play in their state final. With our guy Aiden Mahaney, but um, you got Reardon supposed to be good. Uh, Long Beach Poly has a good returning team after they went 17 and 13. Damien, as long as they have Malik Thomas, Edwan is always strong. West Ranch is going to have a good team. St. Anthony, Shadow Hills of Indio. I saw a couple of their players this past weekend. They're a good lower level team. Now again, obviously they could, you know, we don't really say the lower levels now because anybody can qualify for the Open. Shadow Hills has some players. Yeah, uh, Cord, Cord Stansberry is that yeah. guy you're probably referring to. Yeah. And there's another guy yeah. there as well. But Cord Stansberry, I think, is a, a bona fide mid-major type player. At, yeah, at he's Colorado. a very – yeah, and Shadow Hills went 29-4 and four last year. Obviously, they won't get that type of record this year. There's not going to be a lot of showcases. A lot of these teams are going to have really good records, Devin, because there's not going to be, um, you know, a lot of showcases, a lot of tournaments. So there's going to be a lot of teams that won't be able to play each other. Uh, in in San Diego, Cathedral Catholics probably the early season favorite with Tory Pines. Uh, in the central section, San Joaquin Memorial looks like to be the early favorite. Uh, Clovis West is good. Bakersfield Christian is good. They're another team that went to the state final that didn't get a chance to play in it. Obviously, the season shut down after that Sierra Canyon Etiwanda game. 
which you know was on March, I think March 9th, uh, March 9th, March 10th, 11th, when the when the country went crazy. Um, again, you know, I'll put this stuff up on Cal High Sports here in the next few days. Just an early season primer. Like you said, I don't know who's playing exactly. Did teams get other guys from other states, or did they move in from Nevada because Nevada didn't have a season? There could be a little bit of that. I don't. I talked to some Nevada coaches, Devin, and doesn't look like a lot of seniors are like, "Hey, I'm going to go to California and, and get in a season." I think they've like, "Hey, I'm moving on." Yeah, too late. And, and I feel for those Nevada guys. They they didn't get any season, Devin. It's really bad, really sad. You know, a bit sad, but it, it is what it is. Let's keep it in perspective. There's a lot of people that passed away from COVID, so yeah, you know, in hindsight, is is 2020. Um, wanted to mention some dates and some things that people need to know that follow the in the paint that like CIF basketball. It's very fragmented, like we mentioned. I've talked to some Alley City coaches. They don't really have a lot of instruction or input in exactly when they're going to start. They know that it's got to be after spring break. Spring break is next week. Okay. Sac Joaquin section, Central Coast section, North Coast section, no playoffs. Already announced. Okay. San Diego section is going to have a playoffs. Central section and Southern section will decide in the future. Southern section will make their decision by April 13th. Again, the California Department of Public Health was going to have to remove that county, that county, neighboring county bylaw for them to be a true playoff. Or off the yeah. playoff, is going to be some kind of regionalized southern section playoff if they do have it. Again, that date is April 13th. They're going to announce it by. NorCal is very different, Devin. Um, many leagues are not beginning practice till April 12th and games starting April 19th from the coaches I'm talking to, which is a lot later than the southern section. Obviously, you already mentioned some games have gone on, and that that Bosco um, windward game is March 30th. And in the Delta League in Sacramento, Devin, start date eight, May 3rd, league games May 11th. That's what, what's the end date? What's the end date? October 221? <laughs> <laughs> the end date is section se- already Section 7 will be going on. Um, so, yeah, May 11th start, Devin. That's quite still a little bit of ways away. Again, so it's going to be fragmented. All CIF competition in any sport has to be done by June 12th. That's great. Most are going to end June 5th, but the final date is June 12th. So okay. what's your closing statement on that? What What do you think about that? And where do we go from here? I mean, they're just doing what they got to do to have a season, yeah. man. I mean, yeah, yeah. get these kids a chance to be on the court. Um, and you just got to. You got to roll with the punches, based you know, yeah. in the you roll with the punches the way that you know the last year has been. So I'm just glad to to um, uh, be healthy and be able to get back in the gym here soon. So yeah. I, I got no complaints on you know shortened seasons or you know oh, no. things like that. Just glad to see that we're you know able to get back in the gym here in, in a few weeks, uh, even right now. I'm gonna wait you know another another few days. Let my uh, let my vaccine kind of pump up in the in the system here. Oh, dude, you're going to be feeling good at that Bosco Windward game. I'll be, I'll be double masked. I'll be chilling, you know, 15 feet away from the next person. Um, you see me in the gym, just don't come up to me. Don't say to me, we'll don't wave, say to me. throw me a wave or a head nod and, uh, we'll be chill. Uh, Ronnie real quick, before we jump off here, there's you know, CIF Southern section. We want to just touch on this is, is, uh, in the process of reviewing facts about the, you know, Southern section players playing on grind session teams. The grind session, obviously, uh, an independent type of uh, league that has you know various different types of, uh, I guess, prep schools or things of that nature. And there's a, a good amount of solid high school p- 
players who played on grind session teams and in, in grind session events. And those players may not potentially be eligible for their high school. Now, right now, as of right we've now, done this filming and this, this taping, they're ineligible. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, for now. And it's like you said, it's a crop of players that are good. So already Damien played an outdoor game. Not yeah. sure how that went. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, they maybe they factored for the win. You know, they, maybe they shot well. Yeah, the, so you're gonna have to ask LeDuc what the, two, the percentages. Two, five feet to the right, like my like when I play golf and it's it's windy. Aim, you know, aim five yeah. feet over, so you think the ball is gonna kind of curve back in. Yeah. So we got we you know last year's Cal High State Junior of the Year Malik Thomas didn't play because yep. our coach LeDuc sat him out. The USC commit and uh, he's sitting out for right now. Again, I don't know when they're gonna make the ruling or the or the, but you know he doesn't want to chance it in case there's playoffs that. Damien would have to forfeit games Malik played in. That that's not. After all this time of not playing, you don't want to do that. So yeah. Leduc is sitting him out. Um, Daniel Esparza from Sonora played. Uh, you know, other guys from the non-southern section schools played. Um, you know, Azalea uh, Sellers, Jalen Thompson from who went to St. Joe's last year. Uh, the best player probably in all the central section, JoJo Hunter from San Joaquin Memorial. He played. Yaru Harvey, Ozias Sellers, yeah, both, both well, talented guys. It's a it's a it's a crop of talented guys. And my take, Devin, is I get that there's rules and, and stipulations, but my take is when they made the decision, they had to make a with their parents and their coaches like the best informed decision they could. And at that time, they didn't know if there was going to be a season. So I mean, I think it's a good calculated risk for them to play. To try to play in a safe manner and to salvage a season, they didn't know a season was going to happen until a lawsuit passed a few weeks ago. Yeah, dude, it's really it'd be really tough uh, to see CIF you know hold up that that ineligible status for those players for the reasons yeah. you said. Like when when they chose to make that decision and play for those teams, uh, they didn't know if there was going to be a season for CIF. Have no the CIF season hadn't started. It there was not no, even close. Yeah, yeah, like there was no official start date like in in um, the normal year it'd be you know november 18th mid-november or something like that and there was no official start date announced so um you know hopefully those guys are able to play for their respective high school teams this season if if they i mean it's it's a very tough situation they haven't played they really didn't get a live period they didn't get you know so it's in essence most of those guys are still enrolled in classes at their high school so how are they enrolled in another school it doesn't in essence, makes sense. They're, for the most part, still enrolled in high school, meaning they're CIF school. Right. So they weren't like taking double classes. <laughs> you, right. you look at you look at a guy like like Daniel Esparza. Yeah. He's still enrolled at Sonora. He's probably he's still taking classes at Sonora because he's yeah. uh, he's committed to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo Division One yeah. program, and he has to have his credits right. So yeah. he's still enrolled at Sonora. He's playing for Veritas, uh, and he's not taking classes at Veritas. So what? I don't see what. Well, in they, essence, he's playing club ball. In essence, he's playing club ball, which they said was okay to do, right? Correct. And it should be okay. It's before the start date. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it it doesn't seem like this should hold up. Again, that's me and Devin's opinion. Again, yeah. we're not on the CIA board or anything like that. We're just stating what we think is common sense, especially after the year this two twenty one class had a very difficult time. Again, we, we put it in perspective. We want to keep people safe. We hope people keep safe. We hope they safely take the vaccine, whatever vaccine they choose to take when they choose to take it. But 
yeah, for these kids, it's it's a very tough situation because they had to make an informed decision. Well, the adults were didn't give them the information they needed. Really, if we really break it down, you know, because they're not in school. How are they getting even instruction from their AD or from their coach if they're not seeing them? They're yeah. not in school, so it's very, it's not very, it's not an easy thing. I hope they do play. Hope we do have a normal season. I hope there's not a lot of cancellations. And I do know, Devin, we do know some high schools are not going to play. I we agree. Yep. Especially, especially in the city section because they're not going to be able to uh, adhere to all the, the protocols. Yeah, and that's too bad. It's too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, on that think note, that, yeah, on that note, man, I think it's going to wrap it up. We had a nice, uh, nice little show here, Ronnie. You know, talking about a lot of Southern California high school players who are now succeeding at the college level. Looking forward to getting back in the gym here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, hit us up on, uh, on ballslife.com. Check out the latest On the Rise show on the Ballslife Life Podcast Network YouTube page. Uh, hit Jaylen up. Suggs. We did Jalen yeah, Suggs, right? We, we talked Jalen Suggs. We talked Evan Mobley. We've talked Cade Cunningham. We've talked uh, Sharif Cooper. We've talked, uh, who's the, who's our, who am I missing? Chet Holmes. J.D. Davidson. J.D. Davidson. We've got a lot of, a lot of breakdowns on the Ball's Life Podcast Network YouTube page. Make sure you hit us up there. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. Um, go to the ballslife.com website, go to the top right corner, hit the shop.ballslife tag, cop some of the latest gear that our guy Andy has put out, uh, some fire stuff in the latest, in the last couple of months, man. Andy's doing some work. We appreciate you guys tuning in to the bi-weekly now Ball is Life in the Paint Show. But until the next episode, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.